Welcome to the Mina Surge podcast, the ultimate source for all things Web3 and fintech related in the Mina region. Powered by Fintech Surge and Future Blockchain Summit, taking place at Dubai Harbor, October 15th through 18th, alongside Expand North Star and in association with Jitex Global. I'm happy to be joined by our partners today from Cointelegraph Mina. Cointelegraph is the leading Web3 publication covering all the latest trends in blockchain, Web3, and fintech for the region. I'm to be joined today by Caesar from Crypto Caesar Capital. Thank you for joining us today, Caesar. Thank you very much for having me on the show. So before we get started, um, allow us to take a little time to introduce yourself. And you know, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Well, I've got a degree in law and economics. I've got a postgraduate degree in law. Um, I trained and qualified as a lawyer. Um, I am the founder of Caesar Capital. Um, I'm the leader of the VIP group Caesar's Palace, and I'm across social media giving my views on the current state of the crypto market. Um, I've been involved in traditional markets or trade FI for about 15 years where I was generally trading uh, commodities, gold, coffee, things like that. Uh, then I found crypto in about, I think it was around about the late, late sort of summer of 2016. And I went down the rabbit hole and, uh, you know, uh, once you go down the rabbit hole of uh, Bitcoin and crypto in general, you, you very rarely come out. You just continue to go down that hole and I'm still down, down the hole now and uh, enjoying myself very much. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you went pretty deep down that rabbit hole, to be honest. Um, so you started off trading commodities for 15 years and now you're, you know, doing all of this in the crypto space and seems like you, you really drank the Kool-Aid. You know, why did yeah. you get to, into crypto in the first place, considering your background was in commodities? Yeah. Well, to be honest, I read about Bitcoin back in, I think it was 2012, 2013, uh, in the Telegraph, I think it was. And I immediately, as most people did back then, dismissed it, uh, you know, a bad thing and uh, only drug dealers used this. And so I wasn't interested and it was a real shame for me. And I think, um, you know, I, I should have considered it a little bit more then. But uh, then in 2016, I, I had another look and I read the Satoshi white paper and I thought, hmm, there's something to this because obviously I've been trading gold and things like that. So I had an understanding uh, around that. And I thought, well, this could be the new gold. So I continued to to research and down that rabbit hole I went. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, with somebody that has such a deep understanding of you know trading items such as gold and coffee and now being able to see the future of crypto, what do you think was that uh, that turning point for you when you read the Satoshi white paper? I think the turning point for me was that, um, you know, we have to accept that everything is moving in a digital way and, you know, things take time to move in that way. I mean, you know, look at the Internet. It took many, many years before we got to where we are now. Um, I remember using the Internet back in, you know, the 90s and speaking to people um, in America on a, in a chat room and I thought it was amazing, but you know, it's, it's come on massively now and you can, you know, you can use apps to do all sorts of things. You can speak to anyone in the world whenever you want for free. So I just thought, you know, there's something in this that the world is moving in a digital way, you know, in a frictionless way. And I think there's something big in crypto in, in general, uh, in particular. So, Sorry. Uh, 
No, 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 go ahead. I'm sorry. Cut you off. Uh, no, so it's just, mainly the, the digital part of crypto that you're saying, you know, this is basically the, the digital gold to you. Yeah. I mean, I see Bitcoin is digital gold. I mean, there are only 21 million, uh, Bitcoins, uh, or there will only be 21 million Bitcoins once all the Bitcoins have been mined. Therefore, you know, there's a massive, uh, scarcity argument with it. You know, it's, um, peer to peer, you know, that there's no middleman. Uh, you can send a billion dollars worth of Bitcoin for, depending on, you know, what the, what the miners are charging at the time, but, you know, uh, 60 cents, a dollar, a couple of dollars, or whatever, where it's pretty difficult, right, to send, um, a billion dollars of gold, uh, to someone halfway across the world. You know, it would be sure. very, very difficult indeed. You'd have to pay a lot, a lot of money to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I guess one of the things that I think of comparing crypto to, to gold is that there's no, fake cryptos you know nobody is going to sell you a fake crypto yeah. for the price of a full crypto and that's the security of uh, the space as well exactly and of course you know if you have um a ton of gold if you're lucky enough to have a ton of gold somewhere in a vault it's quite easy for that to be seized it's very difficult to move that gold across the border if you wanted to uh in a time where you needed to whereas you can simply uh move your bitcoin um very, very easily from border to border without um, anybody uh, being able to seize it. Uh, so I think that is also a, a very interesting plus point that people look at when they look at Bitcoin. Absolutely. Sounds like you dealt with a few gold smugglers back in your, your 15 years <laughs> uh, trading gold. <laughs> <Make no comment. laughs> um, so, so looking at the, you know, you, you spoke about Bitcoin, uh, uh, quite a bit. And I think that one of the, the reasons why, you know, people are, were so attracted and are still so attracted to gold is kind of how stable that is. But we, we've seen Bitcoin kind of go through its cycles, right? Mm. Um, and do you think that, you know, we're in the Bitcoin bottom right now or, or do you think that this is going to get worse? Or is it going to get better? Where, where do you, how do you feel about the Bitcoin cycle? where it stands yeah so um the first thing i'll say is obviously bitcoin is very volatile um at the moment and that's because the market cap is still quite small but i think once bitcoin reaches um a market cap equivalent to gold i think the volatility will be um not so much it'll be you know significantly um reduced uh but in, in relation to where we are in, in the cycle um essentially uh, for anyone who knows who i am and follows me on twitter and listens to my youtube channel or, or who is in my um vip group they will know that i'm very interested in in cycles of assets in particular bitcoin everything has a cycle you know life has a cycle uh the weather has a cycle the day has a cycle um, and that's true for assets as well, uh, particularly commodities. Um, Bitcoin has, in my uh, view, um, a clear cycle um, and it works uh, within those uh, cycles. And that cycle works on the basis of a four year cycle. A lot of people are interested in the Bitcoin halving, which is obviously quite important because when we get to the Bitcoin halving, that means that the block reward a miner gets paid is is half. So that generally has an effect on the price. But. Uh, and the Bitcoin halving is uh, not really a time based thing. It's a block. It's a blocks mine based thing. So every 210,000 blocks mined, uh, the, bit, the, the, the block reward then halves. But well, even though that has something to do with, with the cycle, I don't think it can be argued it doesn't. But what's clear from the cycle is that Bitcoin t tends to have, as I've said, 
a four year cycle. So if you look at Bitcoin on a higher time frame uh, chart, for example, a monthly chart or a, um, a weekly chart. I mean, I'm looking at a weekly chart now uh, and you measure uh, each peak to peak in each cycle and each bottom to bottom. Um, you will f- quickly find um, that measurement is around about four years within a couple of weeks. So, for example, the the, the peak in 2014, in sorry, uh, December of 2013, uh, to the peak in uh, December 2017 was 208 weeks, which is you know um, four years. Then the bottom from uh, the cycle in uh, January 2015, when it found its bottom from that bottom to the next bottom, which was in 2018, was 205 weeks. So not far off again, uh, four years. And again, the peak in uh, December 2017 to the peak uh, in uh, November 21, again, was 205 weeks. Uh, so, you know, not far off uh, four years. Uh, and then the bottom in December of 2018 to the bottom, uh, which we just had uh, back in November 22, uh, was 205 bars. So there's a clear four year cycle here to, to put it simply to your listeners uh, from peak to peak. It's four years and from bottom to bottom. It's four years. Now, there's a possibility in time that that four year that cycle might break somewhat uh, and it might go into a new cycle and might create a new cycle. But as it stands, it. Bitcoin tends to follow this this four year cycle. So when we were in, um, uh, I think it was June of 22, uh, when we had all those massive liquidations across the board, massive capitulation, uh, three hours capital went down. Um, uh, you know, there was the Luna saga, the Don Juan stuff, all of that. That 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 caused a massive capitulation in the market, and everyone was calling the bottom at that point in June 22. And I said, no, I said we've got we, we need more time. There's more time for this to bottom out. Um, and I was right because it, t- it took some months, but then in November 22, it bottomed out on the FTX news. Um, and that was the four year cycle low. So I think that uh, the bottom is in for Bitcoin. Um, there are many reasons. Number one is that, you know, it, it was 205 weeks from the last bottom. So, it, you know, four years, pretty much a few weeks off four years. That's the first thing. The second thing is that there was massive uh, capitulative volume in that bottoming process in November 22. Uh, and there was just a huge amount of fear in the market, um, everyone was scared, everyone was capitulated, there was blood on the streets and the four year cycle was in. So for me, I think the bottom is in. I know a lot of people will disagree uh, with that, but um, for me, I think the bottom is in for Bitcoin and it's um, a, a grind out of here um, uh, to new all time highs uh, in the coming years to come. That's uh, super interesting. So, yeah, obviously on this podcast, we're we're not at liberty to uh, endorse a certain crypto or encourage anybody to buy any sort of investment products. But uh, yeah. if the general advice is to buy low and sell high, you're saying that Bitcoin is at the low right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that, um, you know, I'm fairly confident that the low is in. You know, we have quite a large position uh, in Bitcoin. Uh, so, you know, I put my money where my mouth is. <laughs> Sounds good. 
And um, you know, what what do you think um the term like what what are the contributing factors of this four year cycle? I mean, four years is four years. Great. Is it just uh you know the market kind of goes up and then they decide after four years it's probably not going to go that much higher than they sell, then it hits a low again, then it takes four years to build up. Is it, you know, something more simple like, you know, the the corn harvesting or the U.S. presidential elections, which is also four years? What do you think is it that, uh, that is determining this four-year cycle? Yeah, I think, you know, um, some of those things has some contribution to it. But generally speaking, Bitcoin um, is it, it's in a bull trend for three uh, years where it goes up quite significantly in price and then it's in a bear trend for a year. Um, you can plot that out in the charts quite clear. And that bear trend is brutal. You know, it's not mm-hmm. the bear trend you see in a, a normal stock commodity, right. et cetera. It's, it's brutal. So, you know, that the drawdowns are anything, you know, on average around about 80%, you know, 70 to 80% drawdowns, which is massive. Um, and that causes massive capitulation. It shakes out all the weak hands um, and then it continues on um, its move toward, um, you know, on its uptrend, uh, uptrending movement. But I, I think that the halving has something uh, to do with it. But of course, the halvings um, don't fit with the four year cycle from peak to peak or bottom to bottom. Uh, but they certainly have something to do with the uptrend. Uh, I know that there's a lot of people who will argue that um, the halving has nothing to do with price appreciation Bitcoin. I can understand that argument, but um, it's quite clear in the charts if you plot out um, each halving event of Bitcoin in history from that halving event, Bitcoin has then gone on to, you know, move significantly up in price. Um, So I think there are a lot of contributions to the four year cycle. Uh, but this is just a, a cycle which Bitcoin has carved out for itself with other factors contributing around it, really. OK, great. Um, and, and I know there's been a lot of talk about this BlackRock ETF. Um, yeah. Can you explain to the listeners what, what the BlackRock ETF is and do yeah. you think it'll be approved? OK, so um, Black. So let's we, the best thing to do is go back in history. Uh, there have been many applications for spot uh, Bitcoin ETF. So there is a futures ETF, but of course, that's not um, a physical spot Bitcoin ETF. So there is a, a futures ETF, which is approved um, in 2018. But uh, there, there hasn't yet been a spot Bitcoin ETF approved. There have been many, many applications uh, but none of them have been approved by the SEC, uh, the Security and Exchange Commission. Uh, but BlackRock have now applied for a spot Bitcoin ETF. And I'm sure most of the listeners will know who BlackRock is. BlackRock um, have a significant amount of assets under management. Um, off the top of my head, I think it's 10 or 12 trillion uh, US dollars they have under management. Uh, so when BlackRock moves or when BlackRock says something, you generally listen. And BlackRock applying for a spot Bitcoin ETF is significant in my view. Um, I, see, I think some of the sort of um, expert ETF guys on Twitter were saying the other day, and I, maybe I've got the, the math slightly wrong, but, it, it, you know, the listeners will get the idea. I think in the last 575 applications for ETFs, BlackRock have only been knocked back once. So... You know, when BlackRock makes an application for an ETF, generally it's approved. 
Um, so I think that um, this is quite significant. And if it is approved, I think it will bring um, quite a lot of um, interest to the market. Great, great. And so, you know, is this going to be like a, a quick approval? How long do these things normally take? Uh, well, there, there are time limits on it. I mean, it can take up to 245 days, I think. I'm not a, an expert on ETFs. Um, Very specific. <laughs> but I think it, that, that, I think it's 245 days, but, um, you know, there are time periods where an application is made, then questions can be asked, and then there's a further a period of time, et cetera, et cetera. But I think it's 240 or 245 days is the maximum period before the SEC are forced to give, um, uh, an outcome or not. But, um, ETFs can be approved by the SEC within weeks. Um, oh, wow. so it, you know, we, we could have an ETF approved in, in the next weeks or months. But my guess is I think, uh, that we will be looking, you know, if, if I was forced to, 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 to say when it was approved, I would say probably Q1 of 2024. Okay. So you, you think that is unlikely to affect the, uh, the price of Bitcoin this year? The BlackRock ETF. I, I think that it, it's, it's. I think it's having a positive effect on the price now because I think some people are going to be front running uh, that. Uh, so you know, um, you know, the people when they hear news, they try to front run um, a market move. So I think you know it is going to have a. It's certainly potentially or arguably having a positive effect on the price now. Uh, but once it is approved um, in Q1 of next year, which when I think it will be approved, if it is approved, then that will certainly have a, a very positive effect on the price. And of course, uh, the Bitcoin halving uh, event is uh, due uh, around about the beginning of April of 2024. So if, you know, this, if a spot Bitcoin ETF is approved in Q1 of next year, that will sit just perfectly with the Bitcoin halving event. Okay, great. Um, so, so some trends to look forward to then, I guess. I'm sorry. So some trends to look forward to, some, yeah, some big events that are happening that are going to, to shake things up. Yeah, absolutely. There's never a dull day in crypto. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what about the rest of this year? Where do you think Bitcoin is going to, going to go? Um, I think that, you know, at the moment, Bitcoin is looking pretty strong. It's broken through uh, its resistance area of 30K, which it's been struggling with for some time. And I think potentially or arguably the, the BlackRock news has given it that um, extra fuel to push through that 30K uh, resistance area. Um, so I think that we could have a decent run uh, this summer. Um, I can't, I, I don't see an all time high, uh, this summer. I, I don't see Bitcoin breaking above $69,000 this, this year. I mean, I could be wrong, but again, uh, you know, I'm a cycles guy and, and that doesn't fit with the, the cycle for me. So I think maybe, you know, with a fair wind, maybe Bitcoin can, uh, trade in the region of $48,000, $50,000 this year, but I think that would be the top end uh, of that um, price appreciation, then I think it would be it will probably come down and test um, the the areas of support below in the sort of 20, 25, 28, 30K range uh, and then probably go sideways into the halving. Okay. So best case, best case scenario for me is, you know, 48, 50K this year. Um, and then um, we should see some real interesting price movement going into the uh, the second quarter of 2024. 
Okay, so so although you know you do you do see uh, in the foreseeable future some big events that could affect uh, the Bitcoin price, you still believe that cycles are ultimately the more powerful factor in determining the price of. Okay. Yeah, I, I think for the time being, this, the, the four-year cycle is intact, um, and that's something that we can't ignore. We can't just ignore something that has always played out time and time again. Um, and for me, um, you know, price, um, I, I don't like to give, you know, top and bottom prices um, because I think that's a bit of a fool's uh, game. <laughs> uh, it, for me, it's more about timing of cycles. So, you know, seeing a high price at, at a certain time might indicate to me that the top of Bitcoin might be in. And of course, I'd take in, into account lots of other factors using lots of other indicators, including sentiment, etc. But it, for me, it's more of a it's a time thing rather than a price thing. OK, yeah, that, that, that makes total sense then. So you're you're not you're not going to, to get distracted, I guess, by all of these events that are that are kind of occurring, right? No, but generally, you know, as we all know, in crypto, if you've been in, in crypto for years now, um, all the positive things start happening, don't they, uh, during the yeah. bull market and everything negative happens in the bear market, right? <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, and bear market causes negative um, situations, for example, liquidations, you know, insolvencies because people are underwater, people are getting margin cord, etc. So that causes the bad news, whereas when the market has shaken everybody out um, and um, shed a new skin, uh, and started moving again to the upside, more positive things happen, more venture capital comes into the space, more people are interested in it. All right. When it rains, it pours, I guess. Yes, exactly. When it shines, <laughs> when it shines, it shines. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so, so you've mentioned a lot about, you know, your, your faith in the, uh, the cycle and the importance of the cycle. Um, and especially the four year cycle when it comes to Bitcoin. Um, how about seasons? How do you feel about the, the altcoin season and will we see an altcoin season this year? Um, so, yeah, this, so this is a very hotly debated uh, issue on uh, crypto Twitter and within the crypto community at the moment. Um, I, you know, um, I, sadly, I don't see an alt season uh, this year. Um, I certainly think that some of the altcoins, particularly the altcoins with strong US dollar pairings, will catch up uh, and there will be price appreciation within those altcoins. Uh, but I don't really see any significant alt season uh, until we've crossed uh, the Bitcoin halving uh, sort of time period, which is around about the April 24. So I think maybe going into the mid to latter part of 2024, we might see some movement, some significant movement in the altcoin market. But for now, uh, I don't think that there's going to be that movement. Uh, and the reason why really is because, you know, we've just been through a very brutal bear market, you know, FTX, um, three arrows, massive liquidations. We've been through a very brutal bear market and, you know, the, the market needs time to heal. Um, and that healing comes really through confidence in Bitcoin because of course Bitcoin is king. Bitcoin is the biggest by um, market cap um, asset, uh, digital asset on, uh, you know, on the exchanges. So that healing will come through Bitcoin and Bitcoin moving up in price and Bitcoin really exerting its dominance over the market. Uh, 
and you know it, it's quite clear from the charts and I'm, I'm some of your listeners don't understand this some of your listeners won't but essentially bitcoin needs to have a a very high percentage dominance in the market before we start seeing more confidence from other investors come in and start buying you know the alternative coins to bitcoin um so at the moment i think bitcoin dominance is around about 51 and a half percent or so um bitcoin dominance historically has always been very high uh, before you see an alt season, for example, back in 2017, Bitcoin dominance was something like 95%. Uh, and then, you know, um, it then started to move downwards. And that's when the altcoin market started gaining traction and moving to the upside. Uh, in 2000, uh, sorry, 2020, Bitcoin dominance was around about 73% before we saw uh, the altcoin market starting to uh, to really move. Uh, so in, in, in my view, and of course, this isn't, you know, any form of financial advice. We're not financial advisors on this show, but in my view, I think we need to see, um, a Bitcoin dominance, uh, of, of much higher magnitude, um, in the 58% range, maybe before we see, um, any, you know, significant alt season. But I'm not saying to the listeners that there won't be any movement on the altcoins, of course, there will be movement. They will move to the upside. They will follow Bitcoin on that trajectory to the upside. But, um, you know, the real sort of big movements that you get from altcoins, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners will know that some altcoins will massively outperform Bitcoin. Um, but that, in my view, won't happen until the dominance of Bitcoin in, in the market is it's significantly higher. So about 58% or so. But that's going to take time. You know, um, and the people I speak to on a daily basis, um, you know, big people, big investors, um, they're, they're not interested at the moment in um, in altcoins. They're more interested really in, in Bitcoin and, and seeing how the market goes. And as I said a moment ago, it's, it's a healing process, which which takes time. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think that that's a super important point about this this healing process, because even you said when you first started looking at crypto that you weren't convinced by it either. And I think that we both know that there's still a there's still a good market out there that is not convinced by it or, or a market that believes there's something to it. It's just not necessarily something that they have decided to dip their toes in. Um and then whenever you see like, you know, such, such a big bearish market that we had last June, um, then again in November with the FTX and all that stuff, yeah. you know, it, it really doesn't look good for everybody that's been, you know, flying the crypto flag and saying, this is the future, this is the way. And then all of a sudden those same people are crying. And now the people that, uh, you know, were not as confident before, now they are very confident that they made the right decision to not get into it. So, you know, I think that it, it just takes some time for them to see that, you know, this, these sort of things will happen. This is not, uh, this is not, you know, breaking any laws that it is you know, going to have a bear market and a bull market. And, you know, as they start to see that the, the, crypto enthusiasts and the crypto traders and the crypto advisors gain a little bit more confident, um, then then we're starting to see the introduction of, you know, the newer investors, not just the same people that have been in it and the same people that have been talking to each other and the entire crypto community, but the new people that, that you know, haven't had a chance to, to drink the Kool-Aid, I guess you could say, um, they'll start to get into it. And I think that this is where you'll start to see, you know, some some shifts that, you know, it wouldn't be possible without them. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I've been, this is my third cycle now, you know, in crypto. Um, and I've, you know, I've seen the ups and downs. I've seen it, you know. Um, so I, I know how it works and, and people get shaken out. You know, the old, a lot of people say that the old test is when your next door neighbor says to you, have you bought any of this particular altcoin? Then that generally signals a top in the market, right? Because that, you know, when the, when the, those sorts of retail investors are getting involved in crypto, that kind of is the, the FOMO point of the market where, you know, the news is talking about it. It's all very positive, et cetera, et cetera. And then of course, um, a brutal bear market, um, follows. But once you get used to that, once you understand the cycle, you know, you can really take advantage of it, you know, if you're a position trader, um, and uh yeah you know it becomes um part of you and uh you when you understand the cycle part you know as a as a trader as a position trader uh, and you can you can see these sorts of things coming so you know when i hear you know really really bad news and there's been massive capitulative volume and you know there's blood on the streets that's usually the time to buy and as i say they're not financial advisors but that that's always generally a good time to buy and you know what they say when there's blood on the streets, even if it's your own, you know, you should be taking advantage of that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And and one of the things that I found that is very interesting about crypto and, and very um it gave me a lot more confidence is that you know it is something you can get into at a lower price point. It is something that you have a, a slight low barrier to entry. You don't have to put your entire savings account into it. You don't yeah. have to take out a mortgage, you know, to be able to to get into this market. You can, you can dabble, you know, you can you can play around a little bit. You can you can make it fun or you can make it uh, important. And you know, I yeah. think that that's something that's very important in gaining the confidence is just getting more people into the market, getting more people to play the game, and you know, that's really going to help the the entire ecosystem. Uh, absolutely yeah absolutely um you know you know you're you're absolutely right um and and every cycle there are different participants are, are coming in and um you know talking about the the altcoin uh potential altcoin season uh a moment ago what's what's quite clear as well from the cycles of bitcoin is each altcoin season has a different type of narrative you know, uh, and that and that narrative um, drives the price in those particular assets. So, uh, you know, back in 2017, it was the ICO craze. You know, that was massive and it was, you know, driving the price in ICO sales and in particular, you know, crypto coins, which went up massively and a lot of them went to zero, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, that that was the narrative, as it were, back in 2017, then. You know, the the uh, the Bitcoin or the crypto bull market came in 2020 and the narrative then was, you know, decentralized finance and gaming and, uh, you know, uh, things like that, uh, which was um, also and NFTs as well, you know, driving the price. Yeah. So so for me, it's about waiting for the narrative, you know, because the narrative changes every 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 cycle, you know, and I think the narrative this cycle is going to be diff- very different from the previous cycle and the cycle uh, previous to that. But as you said, you know, um, it's important that you don't invest too much uh, in anything, really, and you should only invest what you can afford to lose. Uh, and in particular with altcoins, you know, you don't need to make big bets to get big returns, you know, because some of these altcoins really do rally hard. So you don't need to make uh, a big you know, uh, bet on something which is going to make you lose sleep at night. You, you should really just be 
um, putting uh, a little bit of money in that you can essentially afford to lose or you're willing to see that money go down significantly or that position size go down. Yeah, sure. And it was interesting what you said about narratives. What do you think mm. the narrative will be this time around? I think that you said the next season should probably be early next year. Um, what, what, what narrative yeah. are we looking at then? Well, I think that um, one of the narratives is going to be possibly decentralized exchanges um, and being able to trade uh, both futures trading and spot trading on um, a decentralized exchange uh, with, you know, uh, low fees and good spreads. Um, because, you know, we had the FTX saga, we had the Celsius saga, you know, lots of crypto exchanges got wiped out, didn't they, in the last bear market. So I think a lot of people are a bit worried now about using uh, exchanges, which is, you know, absolutely right. And I should say to your listeners, if you are going to buy any form of, uh, you know, crypto, whether it's Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever, then you must remove it from the exchange and hold it on um, a in a private wallet for uh, security purposes. But I think a lot of people are worried about the exchanges. So they're, they're a little bit concerned about placing, you know, their money on the exchanges or holding positions on exchanges. But with decentralized exchanges, that gets rid of the middleman and it sort of um, assists in the security of things. So I think maybe decentralized exchanges might be a, a potential narrative for next uh, for the next season. I think gaming is going to be um, a big narrative probably because gaming has moved on massively since the last cycle and the cycle before. So I think that could uh, potentially be uh, a narrative. And I think um, layer one solutions as well. So, you know, things that try to compete with Ethereum, etc., are um, always something interesting uh, to, to look at as well. Yeah, that, that definitely sounds interesting, and especially with the decentralized exchanges. Um, that was something that, you know, when I was first new into learning about all this, and you know, I know that the whole idea was that, you know, crypto is safe, it's uh, decentralized, and, you know, you don't have to worry about, you know, some, some old men sitting in a boardroom at a bank deciding what happens to your money, and then next thing you know, you see the exchanges starting to mess with each other, and yeah. you're like, <laughs> I thought that the whole point of this was that you did just have some rich men <laughs> deciding what happens to your money, then all of a sudden, you see what happened to FTX and everything, tanks, and it's like... Exactly. Well, well that, that, that's what a lot of people <laughs> don't understand, that they think that when they get into crypto, it's all decentralized, which, you know, arguably speaking, some cryptos are decentralized, some are not. But let's not get into that debate. But <laughs> um, but, you know, generally speaking, like let's let's talk about Bitcoin. Let's say Bitcoin is clearly a commodity. Um, it's not a security and it's decentralized. Um, but if you keep your Bitcoin on an exchange, on a centralized exchange, you don't own that Bitcoin. The, the, the exchange is holding that Bitcoin for you mm. in custody for you. So what they say is not your keys, not your coins, which means that if you don't have the private keys for the wallet that the Bitcoin is being held on, then it's not your Bitcoin and it could be seized, taken, you know, from you, stolen from you, whatever. Um, so that's why it's important to always remove your Bitcoin from the exchange that you buy it from, uh, into, um, your own, uh, private wallet of which you have your own private keys to, which is very, very simple. You know, a lot of people get freaked out by it, but it's very, very simple. And there's lots of YouTube videos that telling you what to do. And there are lots of very good wallets that you can use. Great. That's actually a unique advice. I haven't heard that one yet. 
<laughs> no problem. <laughs> um, so, so what we we sort of do at the end of these podcasts is, I would like to just sort of get your your quick, you know, one two line answers to, yeah. you know, if somebody is just entering and they say, "All right, I've heard about crypto long enough. Now I'm trying to like, what do I do now? I've heard about it. I'm ready to to sort of put my first payment in and see how it goes." What's the advice that you would give to them? Well, my advice would be to um, set yourself a certain amount of um, allocation. So the amount of money that you think that you can um, afford to see go down significantly, if that's what happens. And then, you know, dip your dip your toes in the water. You don't have to go all in straight away. You know, do lots of research. Make sure you follow the right people on Twitter. Um, But it's always good to start with Bitcoin, really, and have a good base uh in in bitcoin in your portfolio i mean we always say that you know, again not financial advice but we always say it's good to have really you know um a good position in crypto would be sort of you know 75 percent bitcoin 20 percent ethereum and maybe five percent um allocated to altcoins and that's kind of the fun one <laughs> that's the fun bit, yeah, that's the fun bit, yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, great. And, you know, considering, you know, how much you've grown in this space, you know, personally and professionally, not just, you know, make a trace, but, uh, what advice would you give in a, in a very short, brief, you know, snappy answer? What advice would you give to a, a new entrepreneur just starting out? Well, I, I think that, um, you need to, um, first thing you need to do is you need to understand what Bitcoin is really uh, and what Bitcoin brings, uh, to the table. Uh, and then, you know, go down the rabbit hole. You know, there, there's, it's a big hole. It, it's never ending. Um, and I can guarantee all your listeners, if they're willing to spend the time, um, uh, and they've got the resources to do it, then, then go for it. But, um, the rabbit hole is long. It, it's probably infinite. Um, but, you know, once you go down there, it's just a very interesting, uh, space. And, you know, if you've got time, to dedicate yourself to crypto, um, uh, then I think, you know, there's, there's lots of, lots of opportunities because, you know, so many countries now are becoming very crypto friendly. I mean, for example, Dubai now has its own regulation. It's very crypto friendly. They, Dubai sees the future in crypto, which is really, really positive. You know, even Europe, you know, that MICA has just been passed. The European Union have passed, um, a bill or the European um, Parliament or whatever have passed a bill. Um, uh, and the UK are also very, very crypto friendly. So lots of countries in the world are very crypto friendly. They see the future in crypto. And if you've got the time and, uh, and the ability and the effort to throw yourself at this, then I think there's massive opportunity for lots of people. Great, great. And I know that you're, you're going to be coming to, to Dubai um, this October for Future Blockchain Summit. Um, yeah. Obviously, it's taking place at Dubai Harbor alongside North Star from October 15th through 18th. Um, what can we expect to see from you um, as a speaker at the Future Blockchain Summit? So um, I'm going to be doing a talk, I think, uh, on the four year cycle and the cycle of Bitcoin. Um, and um, I'm going to be joined by uh, Crypto Burb, Adrian. Um, who's an amazing guy, excellent trader, really well respected, and he's going to be doing a, a talk as well on trading. So I'm very much looking forward to networking there, meeting lots of different people, and in particular, uh, listening to uh, Crypto uh, Burbs or Adrian's um, address on uh, trading, which we'll hopefully be using together. 
Amazing. Well, well, thank you so much, Caesar. You know, we, we really gained a lot of insights from you. Um, and I think that you've actually touched on a lot of things that, you know, personally, you know, in my time doing this podcast and working in this industry, I haven't heard some of the advice that you've given. So I think that this is something that our listeners would really appreciate. And I really look forward to seeing you in Dubai in October. Thank you very much. I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you for having me. Great. See you then.